and I'm sure any entrepreneur will attest to this, each day gets a little bit easier. Um, you know, things get a little bit better and you start to build that flywheel, for example, and it, it starts to, uh, it starts to work. So that's my, my yeah. advice. We want to welcome Shannon Eimler, the founder and CEO of the Ice Cream Factory, a company based in Missouri, and uh, they make some delicious ice cream from what I've tried, and uh, I'd love to, uh, you know, unpack the story of how this whole thing began. So, uh, Shannon, just want to say a happy, uh, you know, December 26th, and uh, welcome into the podcast today. Thanks, Dan. I, um, I appreciate the opportunity to get on the podcast, talk a little bit, and I'm excited. Yes, Shannon. So I've I've not had a I've never met anyone who owns and creates ice cream to the level that you do. Um, do you think that uh, you know this is uh, something that you decided to s just start off of like spontaneity, or was there just like a a bit more of like business plan that went into it, or how did this whole thing come about? Sure. Yeah. No. Um... It, it, there, there's plenty, um, you know, things that happened throughout my life that uh, kind of led me to the decision, um, you know, to start ice, to start ice cream factory. But ultimately, it began with um, a building that we bought in my hometown of Eldon, Missouri. Uh, it was called uh, the Kraft Cheese Factory. They used to make Kraft cheese there in Eldon, Missouri. And so we bought the building in 2018. We started the renovation process while we were working on it and almost done. Um, there was an ice cream shop in town that uh, went out of business. And so our town, our, it's a small town and there's only like 4,500 people, but they were pretty devastated. So we just started Ice Cream Factory uh, to start, you know, something fun for our community and for us to enjoy. Our building had dairy history because cheese was previously made there so it's kind of how how it started did you uh grow up on a farm by any chance or like you know did you spend do you work in restaurants how did uh you, you get into like the food world yeah sure so yeah i did grow up on a farm um i i grew up on a farm and i worked on a farm so sometimes um uh, there, there might be people who grew up on a farm but I, I literally worked morning and night before school after school um the entire summer break from school was working on the farm. Uh, every holiday was, every weekend was. So I got lots and lots of character building from working on a farm. And after that, after I graduated high school, I went to work for Waffle House's construction division. And for about a decade, we built and remodeled Waffle House restaurants all over the country. So I got you know, hands-on experience with restaurant management, uh, construction management, you know, how they handle their equipment, how um, their entire operation basically works. And so that kind of gave me um, a little bit of insight and knowledge because I always ask questions how everything works. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, that really kind of, um, you know, helped us be successful when we opened that first ice cream shop in Eldon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's such a cool thing. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I think there's this one thing to start your own restaurant or it's one thing to like, franchise something but to really just make your own ice cream and you know have that be the core product of you know your your company and have it be like your number one job it seems like 
a lot of fun, but at the same time, there's, there's a lot of things that I don't know. So like, what are the things that, you know, somebody needs to do to, uh, essentially make their own ice cream and make it a, a product that they can sell. Like you have to go through FDA approval, right? And all those like uh, laws and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of laws you have to follow. We have to be um, an FDA approved and inspected facility, uh, which means we have to follow food safe practices. So that's first and foremost is safety. Um, and then after that, you actually, you know, to be able to do it, you got to know what the heck you're doing. Um, so there's a whole lot of, uh, like you need to know how to make ice cream. And, uh, when we first got started, I, I kind of knew, but we gotten really, really good at it over the last four and a half years. Um, but you know, the, the, you've probably been to places to serve soft serve or, you know, places like that that make it on site. What we do is a whole lot different. Um, all of our ice cream is hand scooped. Almost every store carries it in a pint. So mm -hmm. to make our ice cream, we literally need, uh, you know, an ice cream factory. And that's the name of our brand, Ice Cream Factory, which means we need um, different uh, pieces of equipment that feed the cake pieces in there, pumps that feed caramel into it. We need a big freezing cylinder um, called a continuous freezer that freezes the, um, the dairy mix and just kind of pumps it into an ice cream stream. We need automatic fillers that fill our pint containers. Um, and then like really, you know, a really important step is we need a really, really big freezer to store all of our ice cream too. So it's a, <laughs> so like what we do, it's a very, very, um, you know, large capital investment to make ice cream at the scale we're making. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine it any other way though. We're happy, happy with our facility, happy with our processes. Um, you know, we scaled to, you know, a place where we are today, um, and, and it works good. Yeah, like what would you say you you need or needed to uh, get this thing off the ground? It seems like you gotta, you know, hire people to make the ice cream for you, right? And like you gotta, of course, buy the pro, like buy the fruits or buy you know the milk and all that stuff as well. Like um, before you even make a prop profit, right? So, do you think like you get a loan from the bank or like how does this normally work for somebody? Or, yeah, like... I'm still trying to figure out when the profit part comes <laughs> in, but. <laughs> <laughs> it'll come eventually i'm sure of it um so yeah great question um you know basically at all times you know my ear is open my hand is out for opportunities that might be out there and you know i see opportunities and maybe different forms than other people do an old factory that's no longer used is shut down and abandoned um we've seen that as an opportunity two different times we've seen it as an opportunity um in Eldon, Missouri, and then in our new factory in Lebanon, Missouri, we can get uh, manufacturing space for pennies on the dollar. Um, we can then they're historic buildings too. So whenever you're working in the historical um, realm, there are tax credits available. So that helps um, kind of fuel, uh, you know, our business. There are also um, at, at our new facility, new market tax credits, which we brought a new business to a new market. So therefore, we can get tax credits there. And cool. um, the government has lots of um, grants out there that we've used to fund our business. USDA, they have um, energy efficiency and solar grants. And so we're working through that process. That's really helped uh, helped our bottom line. It really has. And then, of course, um, borrowing money from the banks. So that's like that's a that's a certain thing that you have to do or that we, we have to do is borrow money from the bank. Um, and make sure, you know, when we do borrow money from the bank that uh, we have a good partner. And I think we do.
That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, I guess I want to jump into like something I'm kind of fascinated by as somebody who reads nutrition facts and back mm -hmm. ingredients of a, of a food label. Like, um, when you, when you started making ice cream, did you just like, imagine, like, did you experiment at, or did you get somebody to teach you or like, do you watch YouTube or like, you know, cause I think somebody can make homemade ice cream, right. But it's just not, not professionally made. Like, uh, do you, do you like get, um, do you get the ingredient? How, how does somebody make ice cream? Like, how do you guys make ice cream? Is it just, uh, you assemble all the ingredients or like, you know, how does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So it can happen like a whole lot of different ways. And I've tried it a whole lot of different ways. <laughs> uh, the first batch that we ever made was made in like, um, it was actually a hand crank ice cream machine that had like a flywheel on the side of a barrel. Um, and we used ice and then rock salt. And then it had like a um, cylinder in the middle and we got like, you know, milk, cream, sugar, eggs, stuff like that. Um, that's how I started. And I think back now, um, four and a half years ago, I'm like, man, I can't believe I made ice cream like that. What we're doing today is like <laughs> way better. Like I thought it was good, but this is like way, way better than, than that. Um, so you could literally make it um, the old fashioned way like they have for hundreds of years. And that's how we started. Um, and then you graduate to, to different methods. We moved up to what they call a batch freezer, which is um, for simple terms, the electric version of one of those hand crank ice cream machines. It just uh, has an electric motor on it and has refrigerant in it and it does all the work for you. And that worked pretty good for a while. Um, you know, and we, we, we sourced um, a pre-made dairy mix at that time. So that helped us, you know, in that batch freezer. And we were sourcing ingredients from different suppliers. Now I would say like the third, um, style of ice cream making that we do now is you know we make everything in a continuous freezer which it continuously flows out of this machine it, it doesn't stop um, we can make it 24 hours a day if we wanted to and now we you know we have our own proprietary um, clean label ice cream mix uh, that we make and so that we, we've never had before so that's really special for us and then we have um uh, multiple ice cream inclusion suppliers. And when I say inclusion suppliers, that's like and caramels and, and little um, chunks of chocolates and stuff like that, that have made um, like proprietary pieces for us to go into ice cream. Um, so as we scale up, we can find better um, partnerships and we can find a lot more efficiencies in new equipment. And that's where we're at today is um, better equipment, faster equipment, better relationships with our suppliers and um, just a, honestly, at the end of the day, a much better product than the hand crank um, ice cream machine that we started with. Yeah. How, how does somebody like sell the, um, or how do you sell the, the ice cream? Like, is it, you find the small mom pop store or do you like go to target and say, Hey, I have an ice cream company. Like, what do you, what do you recommend we do? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, if I did go to target, and knock on their door, which I've done. I've tried that stuff. It doesn't work very well. Um, we have food brokers that we work with that submit our product um, to, to their line reviews is what they call them yearly. Um, each summer and spring, they do a line review for ice cream mm -hmm. at um, Target, Walmart, um, all the big box stores. And then we'll submit to them through our food broker and they'll decide whether they wanna carry our product or not. Um, 
we don't, that's very hands off for us. We're not involved with that. That's a, a third party process. Um, we haven't had tremendous success in large retailers. We've had some, but not tremendous. Um, but that's okay. We really don't care that much. We focus on in-house. We focus on partnering with the small independent owner operators. You know, maybe the, the person that's got one store or maybe a few stores. And what we found over the years is we can develop a real relationship um, with that um, person because they can relate to our business. We are small, and in the grand scheme of things, we're a small ice cream manufacturer. Um, they're a small retailer that usually doesn't get preferential treatment from suppliers because they are so small. So, um, you know, and, and we offer them a free freezer in most circumstances to retail the product in. Um, it's just a really good relationship both ways. When we, su when we supply um, mm -hmm. the ice cream to that little, small, independent owner-operator. And um, honestly, Dan, about 75% of our business is made up of the this, this small guy. Gotcha. Yeah, and like, um, do you, uh, do you uh, for the ice cream, do you, uh, is there like a unique selling point? Because I guess maybe there's like 15 other ice cream manufacturers that exist, right? Like Haagen-Dazs or There's like 150 or... probably, to be honest with you. There's so many out there. It's not even funny. <laughs> um, and, and it's like a um, packaged ice cream, especially after COVID. Um, packaged ice cream is everywhere. And so it is, it's tough, man. We uh -huh. do fight up against, we fight against the big guys that have more resources than us. Um, they have more add money to spend. They have better systems, processes. They've been in business for maybe a hundred years. Um, so it is tough. And so we have to leverage every little small thing that we possibly can to set our product apart. Um, first and foremost uh, is the transparent lid. All of our packaging has a transparent lid. Oh, right. I have other seen that. Yeah. Other companies want to cover it up to where you can't see the top. A lot of times to hide discrepancies with the fill level. If you've ever opened a container, um, peeled off the, um, the safety seal, and it's not all the way to the top. So we believe in filling our ice cream to the top. We want to show off all the goodies on the inside and the top. So we, we, um, we top each container. If it's got brownies, it's got brownies on top. If it's got um, Reese's oh, Pieces, right. we'll put those on top. So it's, it's visually appealing. Um, second, it's a 12 ounce container instead of a 14 or a 16. So the price um, is a little bit more reasonable. The margins are a little bit better for ourselves, the distributor and the retailer. So that's appealing. And you can fit 39% more product on a grocery store shelf. So it works out better for everybody. That's another advantage to us. And um, our ice cream is clean label. And what I mean by clean label, we don't use artificial stabilizers, emulsifiers, colorings, or flavorings, and we do not use high fructose corn syrup. So those are some selling points to, you know, you know, other than the fact that family owned, um, which people can really appreciate, those are some major selling points for ice cream. I feel like, you know, a big, like a Haagen-Dazs or like a Dryers or something, like they, um, seems like they... They just, how do you think those guys were able to be successful? Is it just they had a monopoly on ice cream since they were first? Or like, you know, like, <laughs> how, do, how does that work? Or like, you know, like, uh, 
they all started out tip I shouldn't say they all, but there's a lot of companies out there that started out, um, you know, with uh, my family or maybe one person as an entrepreneur that wanted to make a great product. And, you know, they, they fought hard and um, they ultimately made their brand successful. Haagen-Dazs is an example of that. Um, Blue Bunny is um, Ben and Jerry's. There's so many Halo top is there's so many brands. Um, they started it like a little guy, you know, just like myself. Um, but they get to a certain size and then, um, you know, by law, it's not a monopoly. Um, these are all laws against that, right. but it can, <laughs> whenever you're the little guy looking at it, it can almost feel monopolistic, um, because we, we can't afford to pay for that much shelf space. We can't, um, we can't compete at that level. Our, um, efficiencies aren't anywhere near theirs. And so, um, you know, it could, it can feel that way. It, it really can. But, you know, a lot of them started out small. They lost money for a long time until they made a profit. Um, and then a, really, Dan, a lot of those companies now, those brands that we talk about that we see on the shelf, you know, like Unilever, for example, they own, I don't know how many ice cream brands. Um, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of them out there that are owned by like global yeah. um companies you know they're all over the, the world and so they have they can leverage resources um you know that we there's no way that we can even possibly think about so it's just a just a it's a tough business but it's a very rewarding business yeah yeah it seems like you've you've had uh your hands in the in the what do you call it the the cream or i guess yeah you've had your hands dirty for 10 years plus right like so well, I'll tell you what, man, that's that's a fact. I don't know how many times that uh, I've been on the production floor making ice cream and oh, wow. I had, to take a sh- had to take a shower, and, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think like, yeah, I'm, I'm used to talking to people who make like software products or like, mm-hmm. I guess even nothing to do with food, right? So, but like with, with yeah. food, it's the number one th- thing people want, or it's at least like in the top three of things that we do. Because, <clears throat> you know, you uh you have to eat to live right so uh uh when, when it comes to like um creating something that people eat do you think like uh i guess like do you think like making that is it, it gives you like as we like spoke two weeks ago like that extra feeling of like happiness just you know knowing that you made somebody i don't know like fulfilled or like happy because they they ate something mm-hmm. right like that's something not too many people can relate to right i think I, I delivered food for a little bit and like i guess i would think like oh yeah yeah i guess like some this is somebody's lunch right like so but um i think like as humans too like you make something right back in the day or like even for friends or you know you work at a restaurant and you, you see people eating your food too like i think there's that thing that it's that uh what do you call that like that kind of um joy from from seeing somebody eat right because like act of service right or like act of like kindness right that's right, man. That's exactly right. And you're, you're correct. But if you just do a quick Google search, it's scientifically proven that ice cream <laughs> makes people happy. I mean, literally, there's tons of articles out about it. Um, I don't know how many um, universities have researched it. Um, I don't remember exactly what's in it. But, um, you know, it, it actually makes a, the human being more happy when you consume ice cream. So that's one, of, uh, that's one thing I brag about all the time. <laughs> And really, you know, that ties back into our mission statement. 
our mission statement as a company is spreading happiness to the world through high quality ice cream. And so, um, you know, whenever you really, you know, talk about, um, you know, enough food, that's something that, um, and especially ice cream, everybody, it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't, I honestly haven't met anybody that said, I really do not like ice cream. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's always attached with a good memory, you know, something present, something in the past. It's just a, it's a feel good business. And, um, and I, I firmly believe, you know, ice cream has that little magical feel uh -huh. even more than food. It, you, you could, I could be selling barbecue sauce or I could be selling, um, cookies or whatever, but everybody has a memory with ice cream. Everybody likes it. Um, it's just yeah. really special to be in the industry. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have, uh, I guess you're, do you, can you recall like your first time eating ice cream or? I don't recall the first time eating ice cream, but I do recall my favorite um, um, flavor of ice cream when I was a kid. And so we used to go to Baskin Robbins. Um, there's a Baskin Robbins down the road. And so it's the Baskin Robbins when they all had 31 flavors. And the rainbow sherbet, even though sherbet is technically not an ice cream, all right. I got that for like for years. I think until <laughs> I was an adult, I always got rainbow sherbet because that was by far my favorite. If they didn't have it, I wouldn't get anything. I was just a diehard fan. Man, yeah, I I remember like eating WWE like ice cream bars <laughs> when they existed. Yeah. <laughs> do you yeah. do you guys ever think of getting into the popsicle world or like I don't know, just is that something Me else? You know what? Um, I've been asked that many times. Will you get into like novelty items like popsicles? Um, you know stuff like that. And my answer is no. We're the and it's because of our name and it's who we are. We're the ice cream factory. Um, I want to stay true to our brand, um, to our roots. And, you know, it's kind of like the, there's a saying, you know, um, the hedgehog concept. So what can we be better than everybody else in the world that mm. we, we, we can make high quality ice cream and we can do it better than anybody else. And we just kind of stay, our plans to stay narrowly focused, you know, exactly in our lane and, um, you know, just spread that happiness through that channel, that channel only. That's, that's so cool. Uh, one thing, Shannon, I was wondering too, like how do you find people to, to work for you? I guess like you just put jobs ads in the newspaper and they, they show up to the factory or like, you know, because it's, it's going to take like what, 30 people at least to make all these things, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now we have 85 people that work oh, at Ice cool. Cream Factory. Yeah, so we're very, very blessed. Um, first of all, to be in a fantastic community, two communities, Eldon, Missouri and Lebanon, Missouri. Um, you know, we're here in the Midwest, in the middle of Missouri, and we're surrounded by people that have really good values um, and a really high work ethic. And so that really plays our advantage. And we do get a lot of applicants. I'm not going to lie. Just the name. It helps a lot. Ice cream <laughs> factory. Whenever you're, whenever people are looking through like, um, you know, job opportunities and we've had lots of people say it. Um, you know, there's a, there's a ton of employers out there looking for, um, people to come to work for them. And when they see the name ice cream factory, that's helpful. And, um, you know, you have to, you have to really, um, you have to be a really good salesperson too, I guess, yeah, yeah. you know, my shoes, uh, my job is to sell our story, our company, our culture, our vision. I set the tone, um, you know, as a leader of the company, if um, 
if I'm doing a good job, you know, whenever I win, the whole team succeeds. So we're lucky enough over the years that we built a very, very strong team. And a lot of people that were with Ice Cream Factory on the day we started, they're still here today. When I get factory tours, you know, I can say, you know, this person invented this flavor. This person invented this flavor. And so I can go down the line. And as I'm giving a tour, like I can literally tell the history of the company with some of the founding staff that helped create this awesome story. So that's another, that's another like huge selling point too. It's just the people that work here and, and the ways they've contributed. At, at what year do you think that the company started to take, take off? Right. Cause I think like year one is the fun one, but also the stressful one. And you don't know if it's going to succeed. Right. But like maybe year two is the one where things make more sense and you learn from your mistakes. Like, was it, uh, was it like, you know, how long does it take to invent a flavor, get through FDA and uh, get on a shelf or uh, somebody's, somebody's storefront, right? Yeah. So like we could roll out a lot more flavors than we do if we wanted to. We try to stick to one um, new flavor per season, um, spring, summer, fall and winter. So we typically do four new flavors a year. They're seasonals. If they sell extraordinarily well. We will like onboard those into our permanent lineup and consider eliminating an, another flavor. Um, but it takes about um, 120 days to create that flavor. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, we've already got um, the spring flavor, the summer flavor. We're working on a fall flavor now and then thinking about next year's um, winter flavor. And so we like to think about um, six to nine months out on a flavor and then start development about 120 days out. So that's kind of kind of timeframes on it. It can be done slower than that. It can be expedited faster, but that gives us good time to um, really get the right partnerships because each, each flavor profile, might, we might need to work with different suppliers. And so it might have to be a cut, it's typically never something they stock as something that we have them create. And so it takes a little bit of time for that. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, uh, looking into the flavors. Lemon poppy seed sounds uh, rather, rather unique. I don't think anyone else has that or that I came across. Um, do you, uh, do you, uh, how, do you, how do you test that out? Like, do you just give it to like hundred people and say, "Is this good or bad?" Or like, you do online surveys or something, or what is it? Yeah, so it's kind of cool. We have a really good partner um, that supplies a lot of the flavorings. Um, for us and the colorings for us they're located in chicago illinois so we'll throw we'll literally throw like you know five or six random ideas at them and then they make us samples and then they ship them samples and then from those samples we'll just kind of weed through them and like okay like that was it we'll like think okay that was a bad idea that one's not going to work and we'll take a few of them and then we have a little small we still have a small piece of equipment on the production floor um then we'll start fine-tuning after that so like the, the supplier um, supplied ice cream samples are just the rough draft. And then we'll fine tune it within our facility exactly how we want to make it. And then the, the awesome day comes whenever um, somebody on the production floor brings like all these cups and all these spoons oh, no. and the line and, oh, this one's good, a little bit more of this. And so that, that's a really fun day for our team whenever – whenever we get to, you know, determine like, okay, this is the one that we're going to roll out on in the production. So that's fun.
Gotcha. Well, one question I had for you, Shannon, was like the e-commerce side of things, right? Like if somebody's in Oregon or something like that, not not near Missouri, and they purchase it online, um, is that easy for you guys? Like, how, how do you set that up, right? Do you like make the website yourself? Do you get like a friend or hire somebody else for that, right? Because uh, I think like that's a critical part of like the sales. So, I mean, yeah. even though it is one of our, supply chain. It is. Is, it is. It's one of our, our great um, sales channels. We we love um, that. We've had our website professionally developed for us. Our marketing, our in-house marketing team maintains it. We have a couple different options. If you do, we can we can send ice cream anywhere in the lower 48 states. We can send a six pack, which is six pints in a, in a insulated box on dry ice anywhere. Um, and that's on our website, icecreamfactoryco.com slash nationwide shipping. Or if you have like an event or you want to, um, you know, buy a bunch or if you want to retail in your store, um, there's also a link tied in there and um, we'll send you 48 pints. So we have an even bigger insulated box that uh, oh, wow. yeah. you can send 48 pints to if you got a, if you have a convenience store, if you have a, um, a shop that you like to retail our ice cream in, we can send it that way. Or if you have like an awesome like family reunion or something or just, um, you know, yeah, a fun yeah corporate event and you want to send her ice cream there you can totally do that that's on our website as well i was gonna say do you like i guess from the, the technology aspect how do you how do you um you would just hire somebody to do that right like it's, it seems like a lot of like making a website you know you got to be yeah. the guy who makes the ice cream right not necessarily like create all the <laughs> technology to enable that to happen too like do you just yeah get money and hire somebody and how, how did you go about that doing that too we we got money and hired somebody. We had a very elementary website that we designed ourselves, and it, and it got about um, eighteen months into it. Whenever like eighteen months in was in the middle of COVID for our oh, business, okay. and um, in the middle of COVID, like we realized like this thing is booming. Um, we are growing rapidly, and this homemade website that we got this <laughs> kind of looks kind of looks bad. So we knew we needed help in twenty twenty, and so we. Um, you know, we went to somebody and asked them to develop our website. They they make major revisions to our website. We can update, we can make small updates and stuff to it, but we don't um, we don't build it out. We're not the website people. Um, we do try to focus on, you know, we do our own marketing to a certain yeah. degree, and uh, we focus on making really good ice cream. Most of that's cool. That's that's cool. Yeah. yeah, I um I guess like that's probably a lot of the problem that people run into, right? Like making a even even for me or even for uh i don't know just the average person like having e-commerce set up like that that's not a piece of cake like that's and then once yeah. they once that order comes in through the website like having to fulfill it and find somebody to ship and collect how does that even work do you think like yeah hire people for that too <laughs> and, and then you know honestly it's extremely it's been extremely painful as we've grown into the current model that we have now um we have used a third party we've used a um a company in Kansas City, Missouri, and they basically fulfilled our online shipping orders for us because we didn't have the um, the ability to. We didn't have the space. We didn't have you know the skill set. We didn't know what we were doing. Uh -huh. um, over the last couple of years, though, um, you know we we've changed though, and we do it all in house now. We have a team here in our Lebanon, Missouri plant. They will literally um, pull orders. Um, today's um, it's not Monday, but it's our Monday since Christmas was yesterday. And so okay. they have tons and tons of orders. They're sending out 
pallets of insulated boxes with dry ice and ice cream pints inside of them all over um, the United States. And so we do it all in house, um, dry ice, whole nine yards, pack it, oh, wow. ship it two days. So um, if it goes to the East and West coast, it goes air. If it's Midwest uh, region, it'll go ground. And we send it out um, two to three days every week. We'll send out packages. I guess Shannon, here's like a question I wonder about, like um, as somebody who operates a business, right? Like how do you get all the composure to, not freak out if like there's like i mean i guess like it'd be a good thing right if like two thousand people wanted the ice cream and yeah I'm sure maybe that's even happened right like you guys have sold a lot but uh yeah when it seems like there's like a big massive operation underneath you like yeah <laughs> how do you yeah. how do you like keep the composure because i think like it'd be natural for anyone to i don't know like um freak out if like yeah or not freak out but just i guess lose lose a bit of their you know sanity since there's so much going on and you can't yeah. take it off and if this fails and it's going to look poorly on you right yeah i mean honestly in our business um you know that is the case it is stressful and but i do think that trickles down into any business owner or any you know like executive leader of a company you know yeah. all the all the weight of the company you know is technically on my shoulders or would be on theirs. Um, but one thing that, um, you know, that's helped me and it's helped me, especially over the last year, as we grow and scale as a business, um, honestly, I just asked for a lot of help. I've learned to realize that I don't have all the answers. Not everybody expects me to have all the answers. And the more I can ask for help, a lot of times, you know, the, a lot will grow a lot faster. Um, and it'll be a whole lot better for our people. And I've also joined a peer advisory group. And when I say a peer advisory group, it's a group of other CEOs and business leaders. And we get together once a month. And I use that as um, basically an advisory board. So, oh, God. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really been good for me because I've been there, man. Yeah. Um, during the middle of COVID, I thought my head was going to explode. I was gone <laughs> from my house for six months, like peddling ice cream to all these stores because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if like the next day we would be in business. Um, and that was, it was tough on my employees. It was tough on me. It was tough on my one-year-old son, my wife. Um, the whole operation was so, so painful. And looking back now, I'm like, man, I should have just asked others for help. Like I didn't have to figure <laughs> it out on my own. You live and you learn, man. And, and I've, I've got a lot more to learn. There's no doubt. But Along the way, we've we've learned a few tricks, so we're pretty thankful for that. No, thanks for sharing that, man. I think uh, I think like yeah, a lot of a lot of the friends I, I speak to like they they, I don't I wouldn't say like we I force a conversation on them, but like they, yeah. I guess like their their notion of like executives or I guess people who have companies like they they think like they make all the money, and I'm just like yeah, <laughs> I've, I've seen I've seen uh, the ugly you know the good bad and ugly right, but like. We're all hoping to one day make some money, like <laughs> dreamers, visionaries, maybe. <laughs> yeah, oh, just man. a title and um, you know certain things almost never equals the amount of pay that people think that right, um, right. some people like myself might get. What what, uh, what do you think was your favorite memory of like the whole experience so far? Like, is it I don't know, like the success, or is it just seeing people have memories with people that they care about with the ice cream you made or 
the best memory to date that um, we've created with the ice cream factory. It happened, it started in July and we did it until August of 2020. And so during the summer of 2020, there was like one day we thought COVID was over. The next day there'd be a new variant. Nobody knew if they were going to school. Everybody got booted out of school early that year. And so it was a really like dreary summer. Nothing was happening. Every event got canceled. And um, that was a summer I was so stressed out too. Yeah, and yeah. It was it was tough on us too. So like one day, you know, I'm like, man, let's just give away a ton of ice cream. So what we did <laughs> is uh, we uh, we started what we called happiness tour, and and we loaded up an ice cream trailer with full of freezers, and we just went all over the state of Missouri and almost every small town, and we gave away six like sixteen thousand five hundred and twenty something scoops over the course of three weeks. And the results from that were tremendous. Um, we instantly picked up tons of new accounts to carry our product. We had so many people that were endeared to our brand because not a whole lot was going on, especially nothing exciting, nothing positive. And so 16,500 and over 20 people got to sample our ice cream, get a scoop of ice cream for free. And one of the times where you know, everybody was just totally down in the dumps and we were all so uncertain. And as, and I went to every single stop, I drove the truck, I got in the trailer, I scooped the ice cream with a couple people and handed it to the, the, the people in each town and just the joy and watching um, kids and families just come up to the door there and grab that ice cream. And it was just like that, um, that um, little bit of hope, I guess, and in the middle of darkness is kind of what I could, you know, relate yeah, yeah. to. It was just really, really special. And, um, you know, if we can ever recreate something like that, you know, that's really, man, that's really what it's all about for us. No way, dude. That's, a, that's such a, such a cool time. Um, uh, what, what are your goals for the future now? Is it just to, to, you know, get into major retailers or like, you know, more mom and pop stores and all that? Yeah, we, we really want to focus on mom and pop stores. We're in 25 states now. We really want to get in 48 states. Um, that's one of our major goals. Um, so that's that's really a big deal for us to to do that. And then another another goal for us, too, is we have a, a certain um, list of benefit, like a benefit package for our people. And by the end of 24, um, we want to fulfill those benefits. Um, we want a very favorable work schedule, um, all the benefits that everybody normally gets, um, a little bit shorter work schedule and remote training um, and an on-site daycare. So we're hoping to get um, something in the works there by the end of the year. We're trying to fulfill like the real life needs um, of people today. You know, some of the challenges that um, our staff are facing that I face. Um, trying to come up with a really, really good way to solve those and to make us, you know, an employer that, um, you know, people oh, wow, yeah. retire. We want everybody that comes here um, and that signs an employment offer, we want them to retire here. And so we want to we want to invest into our people. And in the year of 24, it will be um, a year that we can um, really invest into them for the long term. Man, that's really awesome, man, the kid, to, to know that uh, the CEO – cares about the employees to that extent it's, it's really it's really important i think like it is hard though you know with the strap for cash or just you know balancing that in the growth 
perspective and it's, it's, a, it's, it's something that I wouldn't know, but I think like there's a, there's a way to make all that happen. Right. Like it's just, seems like it's just patience and then hard work and also I guess luck and all that other magic that comes behind the scenes. <laughs> um, Yeah, the most important thing is the right people. You get the right people on the bus, um, and then you you go where you need to go, and you take care of them. And that's what we've been able to do. We've been able to get the right people on the bus, and and it's um it's awesome. It's an awesome feeling. So. man dude i i guess like if i'm ever in missouri or i don't even know if, how far texas is from there but I, I gotta come by and see this opera or just this factory one day you know if that's even allowed or Yeah, you bet. If anybody's are you there around, right now that's where you are <laughs> yeah, I'm here in the um, in the office here in Lebanon, Missouri, at the ice cream factory here, which um, it's a historic factory, 75 years old, so it's pretty pretty cool place. And um, we got an underground tunnel that goes about the length of a football field, um, underground around a water tower, then pops up in another building, and it's huge. It's awesome. So we're gonna. I'm going to turn that into a, a little spot where people can do a tour through the tunnel up here. I guess one quick question, Shannon, is like, how do you source like the milk that goes into this? Uh, in the, in, into, do you just find a farmer or like, So how does that work? long-term um, goal is to find just, you know, find a farmer um, to buy all of our milk from. Right now we buy it from a dairy co-op, which basically um, acts as a co-op for dairy farmers and sources milk within you know a certain radius around Springfield, Missouri. Um, so we do buy it from a local co-op, so it is local milk. Um, but long term, you know, we really want to tie together a farmer's story with our story, so we can be you know really transparent with how we do business. But um, we still have some growing to do to get to that point. We have to be able to buy all of the milk that that farmer's cows make. whether it's in the middle of summer or the middle of winter, you know, if it's Christmas day, we have to take milk. And to get to that point, um, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to grow in size, but we're determined to be able to create that partnership. Oh, hey, that's so cool. Uh, did you, uh, did you, Shannon, did you like study anything to, do you go to school to, to do this? Or like, how does this, like, if you were to explain it, like, is it just, you read books on making ice cream or like you read books on running a company that also Yeah. makes ice cream? Like, how does that go? Or how do you learn about this before you get into it? Totally. So as far as business goes, um, I can attribute that to my experience in the construction industry, owning my own general contracting business, learning from Waffle House, how to operate a restaurant and asking a lot of questions along the way. And so I've learned it that way. I did not go to college. I just graduated high school. I actually didn't get accepted to college that I applied to. And I was dumbfounded because I had good grades. I thought I did really good. I didn't get accepted. And um, so I just went a different, um, different way in life. And as far as making ice cream um, goes, I don't have like a, a degree in food manufacturing or no like scientist degree or anything like that. But, you know, I, I will always say this, and I think a lot of folks can agree. The best way to learn is by screwing stuff up. And so you can go to school all day long and that doesn't necessarily mean um, it helps. But whenever you make mistakes, that's the best tool um, for sure. And I don't know. I don't know how many times I've screwed up ice cream. We've made bad flavors. We made silly stuff. We've made it to where it got icy and we threw it away. And um, Yeah. <laughs> All right.
man, you name it. We've, we, I could probably do a whole other podcast on the mistakes of Ice Cream Factory, what we <laughs> learned from, honestly. So oh, that's, yeah. that's my advice. <laughs> no, man, that's beautifully said. I, th I think that's really cool. Um, uh, what, what else was I going to say? Oh, I guess like for the last couple of parts, last uh, end of the podcast, I wanted to ask you like quick questions about, uh, I guess just to get to know you and I guess um, things you, you think about, like um, what would you, what would you say? Do you have a, a favorite movie? Absolutely. I do. And so it's the best Willy Wonka. It's the first one with Gene Wilder. That's my favorite movie. And so oh, if you yeah. go to our website gotcha. and ever like click on oh, you like do. my, it says right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep, it's um, it's kind of funny. My son is four. My oldest son, Harrison, he's four years old now. So he's kind of like understanding now that we have an ice cream factory, and he really likes Willy Wonka, and he's like starting to ask if we're going to do stuff like that in our factory. And so we just have a really good time to it with it. In my actual office, which is right next to this office, I have a um, mm -hmm. a life size cutout of Gene Wilder in oh, his no full um, Willy Wonka um, suit. And, you know, when people pass by, they're like, oh, my gosh. I'm, I joke and tell them that he's on my advisory board. But Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. we, um, that, that's by far my favorite movie. I could watch it every day. Do you have a, a favorite book? If you... um, I do have a favorite book. And so it's Good to Great by Jim Collins. So oh, it's yeah. a leadership book, basically, um, how to take a company from good to great. We've um, all read most, most of our staff have read that. And, you know, we're, we're using some of the, um, you know, some of the things in the book to try to make our company great and um, really trying to incorporate that into our company. Do you have like a, a favorite sports team, I guess? I absolutely do. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. So hey, I, there you go. I'm kind of um, an oddball here at work. Nobody else watches basketball. Besides <laughs> Everybody else is glued to football. They love the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but I'm the only one that likes NBA basketball. But uh, nice, I'm a big nice. LeBron James fan. Um, let's see. What's another cool question I can ask? Uh, do you have like a favorite entrepreneur that I guess chime like jives with your, you know? Yeah, I do. I do. So um, there, and let me start. There are several out there that I am inspired by that have done great things for their business, for their staff, for humanity. Uh, there's so many of them. I could probably list, make a list of a hundred, but the one that always sticks out in my mind is Milton Hershey. So Milton Hershey created Hershey chocolates and he started out with the caramel company then he sold the caramel company and then started Hershey chocolates um, in the late 1890s. And what Milton was able to do for the people to work for him, um, he, he actually started Hershey, Pennsylvania, the city in Pennsylvania. And he, built everything within that city that you know the staff needed whether it was a gym a school if it was um a pool it didn't matter he put in the streets he basically built the entire community with everything that his people that work for him need needed and throughout the great depression in the 1930s he did not lay anybody off he kept everyone employed he paid them well and um, a lot of people 
I mean, honestly, attribute the Hershey chocolate bars to a victory in World War II. Because he supplied chocolates to the soldiers in World War II. And he was part of actual Milton Hershey was part of making special chocolate bars that gave the troops, um, you know, extra energy. And so it's just a really, really good guy. And the Milton Hershey School for Boys still owns um, a majority share of the company today. And that's who, um, you know, he passed the company to whenever he died. And that means he didn't have any children. And so it's kind of a kind of a special story that still lives today that inspires me that, um, you know, it's really helped. Yeah. You know, helped, um, helped our company a lot. Do you, uh, um, if you could have a, sorry, this one's, if you could have, I normally ask if you could have dinner with any entrepreneur, who would it be with? But if you could have ice cream and a conversation with anyone else, who do you think? you'd want to do that with or just you oh, know, friends or man, people <laughs> yeah that's like extremely easy everybody in the ice cream world um they look up to ben and jerry so oh vermont right you no know, and jerry greenfield and so those two they're like um everybody's goal is to be as big as ben and jerry's and uh, if i could ever you know sit down and eat some ice cream with anybody it would be either one of them or both of them at the same time would be fantastic because oh, they man. are they're the everybody's idol no way. Yeah. I, I love to talk to them too. I think, uh, you know, what's funny is like, I think they were in my college passing out flavors one time or something, but really? I didn't believe them. <laughs> they, 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 yeah. I went to UC Riverside in, in Southern California. So, um, yeah, that'd be like a fanboy moment for me. <laughs> uh, last question, Shannon is, um, how would you say you define your, your startup mindset when it comes to the ice cream factory and, uh, you know, you as an entrepreneur? Um, the startup mindset, you know, is, is just never give up. So Babe Ruth has a saying, um, it's hard to beat somebody that never gives up. All right. And so it's so easy whenever you're starting a company, when you face, like you get to the first <laughs> struggle and you're like, the heck with this, like, this is not good. Like, you know, how am I ever going to get past this? And so that the mindset of never giving up whenever you're first starting would be my advice. And so that's, that's what we did. We just, um, like, like I told you, like my arm hurt like crazy because I was hand cranking oh, a wow. wheel ice cream machine, you know, I was making the ice cream like that. Um, you know, there's so many like problems that I ran into every single day, but I will stand by the saying it's hard to beat somebody that never gives up. And as you stay in business longer, and I'm sure any entrepreneur will attest to this, each day gets a little bit easier. Um, you know, things get a little bit better and you start to build that flywheel, for example, and it, it starts to, uh, it starts to work. So that's my, my yeah. advice mindset. No, that was really greatly said. I think that's, that's such a cool, cool story so far. And, uh, any last words, Shannon, to, to, I guess, uh, get people to try the ice cream or, you know, follow you guys' journey? Um, yeah, you bet. So like I mentioned earlier, if you are, you know, anywhere in the lower 48 states, you can order our ice cream online, icecreamfactoryco.com slash nationwide shipping. We can send it anywhere. We do all the time. Um, we'd love for you guys to try it. And, you know, most importantly, if there are any, like, small stores in the United States and want to offer a product that can relate to our story. They want to partner, you know, with the company, um, with a purpose, 
and we, we would welcome that. So we really, we really appreciate the the opportunity to speak to your audience, um, Dan. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's really really special to us. Thank you, Shannon. Man, I, I want to say Happy New Year and.